Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. And in today's program, I would like to expand a little bit on what I was explaining in the previous program with reference to the Apostle Paul having credentials. When the Apostle Paul was in Judaism, in the sense that he was not saved yet, he had not encountered the Lord Jesus, when he was involved as a Pharisee, with the things of the temple, with the things of the rabbis, when he was participating in that world, he was seen as an individual who had credentials. Now, in this world, credentials are very important. You need the endorsement of somebody in order to be somebody in Judaism. This was initiated by the Sophers of Babylon when they began the process of identifying a way of life, identifying a lifestyle through which an individual would live. And then rabbis who continued the teachings of the Sophers would always quote the Sophers to say that Rabbi so-and-so said this, and Rabbi so-and-so taught this. And through their quotations of the previous rabbis, they were able to assert their authority their credentials, and they were able to expand on what the previous rabbis said, and they would say things like, I'm going to add this to what they taught. This is not contradictory to what they taught, but it is definitely something that needs to be added because we don't have everything that we need to have in order to live a holy and righteous life. And then the next rabbis who would come after them would then quote them. And so this was initially established by pharisaical Judaism, which was something that evolved over time, and the credentials of an individual were established by the former rabbis that the person would have in their lineage, the school that they came from, so that they could present their authority in the context of the authority of somebody else. For example, when people were speaking about the Lord Jesus on one occasion, they mentioned that he taught with authority and not as the Pharisees and the scribes. The way that the Pharisees and the scribes taught was not on the basis of their own authority, but on the basis of the authority of the person who sent them, the authority of the individual or the rabbi who taught them. That was how they taught. They would always quote somebody else as their authority, and that was their credentials. And then, of course, rabbinical schools evolved from there, where rabbis would teach people to become rabbis, and then they would say that they have the endorsement of that individual who taught them, or the panel of rabbis who approved of them as a rabbi, they would then have somebody's endorsement. And so credentials were very important in Pharisaical Judaism. The Apostle Paul was the student of Gamaliel, who was a very well-known rabbi, 
He was very well respected, and so being his student was a very, very serious matter, and the credentials that the Apostle Paul would have had before he became a believer in Christ Jesus were very valuable, especially in the Judaic world. Now, the credentials that Paul had, of course, meant nothing. They meant a lot in the religious world, but they meant nothing in terms of his relationship with the living God. Now, I know that might sound a little bit odd, because today there are people, in Christianity especially, that believe the same thing. There are many people today who believe that if you are going to have any authority whatsoever, you need to have credentials. You've got to have a seminary degree. You have to have the endorsement of a panel of pastors. You have to be approved of by some denomination. You need to have some credentials of some kind, or you are nothing. This is a very unfortunate reality in the church, but it is a reality. It is something that people have had to struggle with for a long time. I, as well, am often questioned about my credentials. People ask me, well, where did you get your degree for this? And who endorsed you to speak of that? And what authority do you have to say this or that? Who do you think you are? And my answers are always the same. Listen, I've got credentials that satisfy me. I don't need credentials that satisfy you. The most important thing is, do we believe that the Lord Jesus will teach his people, or do we not believe that? Do we believe that this is his ministry, or do we believe that this is our ministry, or the ministry of our denomination, or whatever? What are we really going to believe? And unfortunately, in many cases, people tend to believe and tend to trust in credentials of man, rather than believe and trust in the Lord Jesus, who he sends, how he sends them, and what he does in people's lives. This is unfortunate, but this does often happen. Now, The important thing to understand concerning this is that Paul knew what it meant to have credentials. He knew what it meant to have authority given to him by man. And he lived, he functioned in Jerusalem and in many places in the Jewish world on the basis of this authority. For example, consider verse 14. Again, this is Galatians chapter 1, verse 14, where he said, And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries, in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And then you continue down to verse 22, where he says, And I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us, now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. So he was very well known in Jerusalem. He persecuted the church. And to what extent did he really persecute the church? I'm going to turn over to Acts. This is Acts chapter 9. If you take a peek at Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, you can see an example of the credentials of Paul. At this time, he was known as Saul. It says in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
And then he journeyed, and then he encountered the Lord Jesus personally, and that was when he had his conversion. Now, this might sound a little surprising to you, but not everybody had access to the high priest. Not everyone could just go up to the high priest and say, Hey, listen, why don't you give me some letters so that I can go and do something on your behalf? Not everybody could do that. There was a procedure that people would have to follow, and in most cases, it was impossible for a person to be able to have an audience with the high priest and get letters like this from him. The only reason, I believe, why the Apostle Paul was so successful at being able to do this was because he had credentials. He was someone who they knew. When he went to the high priest, I have confidence that the high priest knew the Apostle Paul. If not personally, he would know of him enough that he would be willing to give him this kind of authority. He would know that the Apostle Paul would know everything that he would need to know about Judaism and about this new way. He would know that Paul would know everything that would need to be known in order to properly do what the high priest would be sending him to do. So Paul receives letters from the high priest to go out and do something religious, but he's going to go out and do this, and he first seeks the approval and the authority of the religious leaders of that time in order to go do it. But when it came to the gospel... He did not do this. And that's what I really want to emphasize right now, is that when he discovered the Lord Jesus for who he is, when he had an encounter with the living God, and the Lord Jesus revealed to him that he is the Messiah, he did not go to the apostles in Jerusalem to obtain his credentials. He did not go to the apostles in Jerusalem to get letters that would give him the authority of any kind to go out into any place to tell anybody about the gospel. Now, this is the complete opposite of what he did in Judaism. It is the complete opposite. Now, what happens today? Today, if somebody wants to go and tell other people about the gospel... What do people do? They go to a seminary. They get educated. They learn whatever people expect them to learn so that they can go and do that because they have the endorsement of some seminary. They have their degree. They've got their papers. They've got their approval, whatever it is. They've got their position, their title. So they can now go out and do that. But the Apostle Paul skipped all of that that everybody today seems to feel is important. He skipped all of that. And he just simply went out and told people about Jesus. That's all he did. Now, this is very, very unusual. I mean, it's very difficult for a person to make this much of a shift in thinking. I mean, this is a tremendous paradigm shift in a person's being. To go from being an individual who lives and breathes and depends on the rabbis that they studied under for generations, for hundreds of years. A person who would depend on the high priest to give him his credentials, his authority, his position, his title, to go out and do things for God. And now he is going to just go out and do things for God without the approval of the recognized apostles. 
This is a very serious matter. How would the apostles look at him? How would they see him? This renegade, this lone ranger. You know, I'm sure they would come up with some kind of a unique name for him. You know, if you can just come up with a name to call somebody, then supposedly that destroys any credibility that they might have. And so we got to label somebody something. And these are some of the common names that people use today. But the apostles could easily look at him as someone who's going out there and not conducting ministry properly. He didn't have their blessing. He didn't have them laying their hands on him in order to give him the proper authority. And so who does he think he is? Who is this guy? Why should anyone pay any attention to him? I want you to understand that this would be very significant to the Apostle Paul because of his entire life before. For him to make this kind of a shift to me would require the living God to show up in the way that he did in order to get his attention in this way, to break him out of this thought process, this way of life, this existence, to break him out of that and to show him that there is a big difference between being taught by men and being taught by God, being sent by men and being sent by God. And this is his chance to abandon his entire life, which was totally dependent on being sent by men instead of being sent by God. So if he didn't go and get the endorsement of the apostles, and I believe that there are lots of reasons why. I mentioned earlier that one of the issues would be that he probably would recognize that the gospel that he was discovering was not what they believed. He should have known what they believed and why they believed what they did and where they were at in their growth and maturity. I would expect him to know that in order to have the position that he acquired from the high priest. He should have known those things. And so he didn't go to the apostles to be taught by them. He didn't go to them to get their endorsement, to get any credentials of any kind, to be sent out as a recognized apostle. He didn't go to them for that. But he did eventually go to see them about a concern, about a matter that was disturbing the churches that he was ministering to. This matter was disturbing the people who he was discipling. And so he went to Jerusalem in order to discuss this with the apostles. But when he goes to Jerusalem again, he does not go for the purpose of being taught by them. That's not why he goes. He didn't go for that reason. And he didn't go there in order to get their endorsement of him as a minister of the Lord Jesus as an apostle of the Lord Jesus. He didn't go there for their recognition or for their approval, and he did not go there in order to get letters of endorsement, credentials of some kind, so that he could use those in order to assert his right to be able to speak of the things of God. That is not what happened. In Acts chapter 15, we have a description of the circumstances that led him back to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way 
by the church. They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. They went to discuss this matter, and sure enough, when they got there, in verse 5, it says, But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, I did a verse-by-verse study on the book of Acts, and I do believe that you should definitely take the time to listen to that study. What I'm talking about right now certainly is no replacement for that. I spent a lot of time talking about chapter 15, and so please do take the time to listen to the entire study that I did on the book of Acts. But today, what I would like you to recognize, I'd like you to see, is that the Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem in order to discuss this matter concerning circumcision and obedience to the commandments of God that were given through Moses. He went there to discuss this with them, but he went there in order to defend his position, in order to defend the churches, and to leave there with something that he could use in order to get these people to stop disturbing those who he was discipling. And eventually he did get a letter from them. But this letter was not a letter that he took as his credentials, as his endorsement by the apostles. That's not why he went to go get this letter. He got this letter so that he could use it to his advantage, so that he could tell people that what they were hearing from these people coming out of Jerusalem is not something that they should be concerned about. This idea that they have to live a life like a Jew, that they have to be circumcised and they have to observe the commandments of Moses. He acquired this letter so that people would no longer disturb the people who he was discipling. He did not get this letter so that he could say that he had the necessary authority from the apostles in order to tell people that they did not have to live in obedience to the commandments of God. He didn't need their authority. He didn't need their recognition. But he got this as leverage in order to use it in the Gentile world. There would be no place for him to use this in the Jewish world, but he could use this in the Gentile world. So again, he did not go there for credibility. He did not go there for their approval. He went there in order to get this letter so that he could continue conducting his ministry that he was conducting without so many disturbances from the people who were a part of the church in Jerusalem. This letter is described in Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 22, where it says, Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles and elders and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. 
that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. That was it. He got a letter from them saying that they did not send these people over to them being Gentiles, that there was no reason for the Gentiles to be concerned about these things, and Paul was able to take that and use that as leverage in order to help these people defend themselves from these other people who were coming in to tell them that they needed to live in obedience to the Mosaic Law. Now, this, of course, was a great success, a great success for many reasons. One of the reasons why it was a great success was because Paul was able to get them to concede that he was right when it came to the Gentiles. Now, I do not believe that they would have conceded the same thing when it came to the Jews. I don't believe that they would have conceded that, and I would have to refer you to the entire study I did on the book of Acts in order to understand why I would say that. But I believe that this was a very serious matter, that he was able to get them to concede this for the Gentiles, because now he can show the double standard that they would have. He can show that they would teach one thing for the Jews, and they would teach something different for the Gentiles. That is a very serious matter, because if there is one gospel, one gospel for all people, whether they are a Jew or a Gentile, and there is a new creation in Christ Jesus that is now the result of the resurrection by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. If these things are true, and yet these things are not really coming out of the church in Jerusalem, then Paul would need some evidence in order to give an explanation as to why people were not hearing this from the church in Jerusalem, from the people who were coming out of the church of Jerusalem. I mean, why is it that these people who went to disturb these Gentiles to begin with didn't know about these things? Why would this letter have to be sent at all? Why would they have had to convene a meeting at all? These things should have been discussed long ago. They should have been dealt with long ago, but no. No, Paul now has evidence to show that they are not necessarily as mature as you would hope they would be. And this is important to understand in order to understand Galatians chapter 2. In order to understand Galatians chapter 2, to really appreciate it, you have to see that there are things like this that are indicators that show that the apostles in Jerusalem did not necessarily have it all together. And so when the apostle Paul speaks about different gospels, and he says that he has a different gospel that he does have a lot more together than other people do, this is necessary to understand so that you can appreciate what he writes. Beginning in Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. This is his account of what he did that was described in Acts chapter 15. He went there in order to tell them the gospel that he teaches among the Gentiles, which is not the same gospel that they were teaching among the Jews. If it was, then what would be the point? There would be no point. It would make no sense. No sense at all. Don't you understand that this is a clear description of the fact that he taught 
one gospel among the Gentiles and that it is not the same gospel that they were teaching among the Jews and yet there truly is only one gospel, one body of Christ, one new creation such that there is no longer any Jew or Gentile, only the new child of God, the new creation in Christ Jesus. Again, in verse 2, he says, And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Do you see that at the end of verse 2, the second half of verse 2? He spoke with those who were of reputation in the church, in Jerusalem, privately, in advance, in order to try to ensure that he did not go there in vain. Why? Because what he told them privately was different from what they believed before he arrived. Do you understand that? It's very important to see that. Study Galatians chapter 2, verse 2, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. And you must see this in order to understand the rest of the chapter. So what does this say? What does this mean? This means that the people who came from the apostles, who came from Jerusalem, to tell the Gentiles that they needed to be circumcised and obey the law of Moses, that was legitimate. That was a legitimate belief that was found within the church in Jerusalem. And we can see this as this was the first thing that was presented in Acts chapter 15 when the meeting was convened. After Paul met with them privately, the leaders, the apostles, those of reputation privately, he met with them to tell them in advance so that they could prepare themselves for what was going to be presented the following day. What was going to be presented? That the Holy Spirit was working within the Gentiles even though they were not circumcised and they were not living in obedience to the law of Moses. And so leave them alone. Give us letters to say that they do not have to be circumcised and live according to Moses. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net that you may